there are uh, two uh, we would call lessons that that is uh, that are taken from the forty um, eight uh, lessons uh, for the sisters uh, that we have prepared some time ago. Um, we're going back to some of the early lessons that we have not touched. And that would be lessons nine and ten. So this uh, first session will be nine, and the other would be ten. Now you don't have to have this outline and things like this in front of you. Um, if you do, that's it's okay. Um, um, this uh, two, both of these uh, uh, lessons pertains to the um, uh, the. Paul's instructions in the book of Titus, the book of Titus. Uh, there are three pastoral epistles, first and second Timothy, and the third is to Titus, all having to do with keeping a church that was affected by decline uh, in a certain good order. Um, uh, all this would really be uh, according to the healthy teaching of the apostles, which is according to godliness. And so um, <clears throat> um, I would like to just, uh, uh, the, the first meeting pertains to the older women and the second to the younger. Now, I'd like to just say a few words at the outset. Um, actually, the outline in front of me, uh, it would. I do not need to spend that much time really to go through them, and you can go through them. I hope so. Uh, study them uh, after this uh, time, and uh, you, you know, even have uh, fellowship with one another over them. <clears throat> there, I think, also some uh, ministry excerpts supplied to help you in this regard. <clears throat> Uh, I want, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I would like to say a few things in this way. Uh, firstly, when we talk about these things, uh, even, you know, using Paul's words uh, to give some instructions or some teaching to the sisters on how they should be, how they should, um, uh, the person, their deportment, um, um, in the church life, in the context of the church life, uh, first of all, we are absolutely not in the realm of human ethics or, uh, so to speak, uh, um, morality. Not that we don't care for ethics and morality, because without that, we can hardly have a proper human life or family life or, uh, um, uh, or even a societal life today. But I want to make it very clear to just remind us all, we are not people living uh, in that realm merely. As human beings, we are people in a country, in a society. We have to heed the, you know, the values and standard, the good ones in that society. We know that. But Paul's teaching is not just merely to tell the sisters or brothers to be nice, to be kind, to be good, to be hospitable, to be uh, proper, and to be and, and all these things. <clears throat> no, <clears throat> um, uh, recall that in First Timothy, there's a definition of what the church is. It is the mystery of godliness, and godliness simply means God likeness an expression of God himself in the flesh, and that is in people, in us, the believers. And that <clears throat> house of God, the house of God is what we're dealing with here, is the church of the living God, uh, a God full of life. And as he lives, he wants us to live in the same way, and so we and he would live together, and he would be living in us and through us. And what the result of that is simply an expression of he himself. That is not ethics, nor just mere 
morality that is something much higher, something according to God's economy and God's purpose. And so I hope when we touch these things that have the appearance of uh, um, uh, morality and ethics, that we would not just take it in that way. This is very, very important. And along with that, we surely are not here, you know, just talking about sisters, always telling the sisters what to do. No, there are equal, if not more, instructions for brothers. Uh, But this is not a brother's meeting. That's why we're not talking about them so much. Um, And we definitely are not here, uh, you know, against today's uh, social climate. And uh, 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 today, uh, we may be seen as being uh, 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 teaching things uh, um, uh, with the... uh, overtones of male chauvinism or uh, female oppression and 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 things like that you know telling always the women to submit and this and that i hope that uh dear sisters we can all be delivered from those kind of things we are really in another realm the realm of god's kingdom the realm of the church actually we're in the realm of christ of God. And so um, <clears throat> uh, this is number one. Number two, I would like to say that when it comes to these instructions to uh, pertaining to our deportment, to our character, to our um, the way we should be, or even our behavior, even our behavior, uh, dear sisters, I hope that we would also have another kind of a view about this you know this uh, classic question uh, should we are we for behavior or not uh, are we just for the spirit and life uh, and not for behavior and outward uh, expression well these two things actually are not mutually exclusive we care for life we care for the inner life which is Christ himself in us. <clears throat> we care to live, be in organic union with him. We care to uh, enjoy him. And uh, by that uh, and through that, we would express him. Absolutely. There's actually no other way for us to fulfill any of God's demands or commandments, um, uh, which ultimately is that we would express himself, express his son, Christ. And there would be no way for us to do that humanly. That human life is an impossibility. It is woefully inadequate. Actually, it is impossible for us to live out these things in reality. But there is the other side. The other side, because if not, there won't be these instructions here. There's something here. Well, then what is this something? These are teachings uh, concerning how we should comport and deport ourselves. Men, women, older people, younger people, brothers, sisters, even husband, wives, masters, slaves. This is full of uh, the, the New Testament is full of those kind of teachings. Why? Because they are there as what? Uh, not only as mere commandments, but they are there as a what as a pattern of healthy words, a pattern. When we talk about pattern, we mean in the sense of a model, <clears throat> okay? In the sense um, 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 of a mode, if you will. Um, so, in that along that uh, line of thought it would be good for us to remember two verses that came to me this morning as I was considering this, uh, this uh, time of fellowship. And one would be that famous, uh, those famous verses in of the Lord in Matthew 11, where he says, come to me, all who toil and are burdened, and I will give you rest. We all love that verse, don't we? We preach the gospel with that verse and, We comfort ourselves rightfully with that verse. We need to just come to the Lord 
uh, uh, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Um, um, we are burdened, we are toiling, we are, um, we need rest. And so for that, we come to him. But you have verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here you not only have come to me for rest, but learn from me that you can have rest. There's another concept introduced. Dear sisters, not only should we come to the Lord, we should learn from the Lord. Learn from the Lord. How meek he was, how lowly in heart he was, and by learning him, we will find rest, a deeper rest, a more lasting rest in our souls. I mean, a more practical rest daily in our souls. And um, this is, in the Lord's words, uh, bearing his yoke, uh, which yoke is actually doing the will of the Father. But he said that his yoke is actually easy and his burden is light, really implying that we are not the one doing it. It is he who is doing it in us, with us, and through us. Now, when I want to uh, you to pay attention to this word, learn from me. There's a lot of learning necessary. But this learning is not us imitating. Although Paul did use the word, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul imitated Christ, but not like a monkey trying to imitate a man. But as... Those who have the life of Christ, we are actually equipped. We're actually equipped to imitate him in the way of being molded. Like I have a mold here, all right? You're making cookies or whatever. Um, I have a a cookie mold here, and I press and put the the flour and whatever, all the things... Um, the dough into this mold. I'm not telling this dough to do anything. I'm merely putting uh, this uh, this dough into the mold and then putting it in the oven. And then out comes these cookies that is exactly like that mold. This is eventually is how we are conformed to the image of Christ in Romans 8. Not by imitation behaviorally in that kind of an outward way without his life. But now today we have the spirit. We have Christ's life as life within us. We have his essence. We have his person. Even you may say we have his personality. We have all of this given to us for free, dispensed into us at the time of our salvation. All these wonderful things allows us what? to learn from him. That is to be molded, to be molded, to be like him. You know, I used to sing that song. I loved that song when I was a teenager. Oh, to be like thee, right? Oh, to be like thee, you know, a wonderful song. But at that time, I was thinking about imitation. Well, how would Jesus walk? How would Jesus uh, stare at things? How would Jesus, um, you know, eat or this kind of thing, if I can just imitate him. No, no. Then uh, later on, with the help of the ministry over the years, I realized, no, I would like to, I would like to be like him. But that means I want to be conformed to his image. You know, Paul says in Philippians, we need to be, know the power of his resurrection, right? And what? and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. That's the mode of the Lord's death that we as the dough, if you will, would want be conformed to. That's the way we learn. And so we have this wonderful other verse, 
I would consider it a sister verse to uh, Matthew eleven twenty nine, and that is Ephesians chapter four verse twenty and twenty one. But you did not so learn Christ. See the same concept here in the apostles' teaching. Learn Christ. This learning of Christ means what? Means there is an example. You know, the Lord, it says, left an example for us. This is, we're taught this by the apostle. His life, his, uh, we should read the, the, the gospels and really study and uh, be inspired by that example of a God man, how a God man should live. You know, we have a book called The God Man where Brother Lee went through the, the book of Matthew to study the Lord Jesus, how he lived uh, on this earth. And basically, that set up a pattern <clears throat> um, 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 that is revealed in the, in the, in the Gospels. And, and, but this pattern died and resurrected and became a life-giving spirit. Now this living, unique pattern of a God-man that God desires has come into us as the spirit living in us. Now we are taught to learn him, learn from him. But here it says even learn him, not just learn from him. When, when you use the word from, there's still a kind of like copying, you know, like imitating. But learn him, <laughs> it's a slightly different uh, nuance, you know, kind of a thought. That really helps us to understand uh, this, um, this idea that we are not here trying to copy the Lord uh, with our natural life, to strive to be, look like him, be like him, act like him. no. That will not work, and that is not what God wants. But today, he, as a resurrected Christ, the Spirit is in us. To learn Christ is simply to what? To be molded into that pattern of Christ, that how he lived in those 33 and a half years, to be molded into that pattern. And by that way, we become in time, in time, conform to his image. So the whole process is a process of life. The whole process is a process of what? Uh, Transformation, eventually of confirmation. So daily, dear sisters, on the one hand, we enjoy the Lord, we feed of him, we we take him and, and we would be filled with him and permeated with him on the one hand. On the other hand, with this Christ that we enjoy, right? We would also what learn from him, learn him, be molded into his likeness in the way how he is. How to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a master, how to be a, uh, a uh, slave, how to be a parent, how to be a child, all these apostles taught. And today, how to be an older woman, and how to be a younger woman. I hope that, sisters, you will think this way. Learn Christ. Learn from Christ, right? Not just, I'll just do it. Whatever he says an old woman should do, I will do. No, no. But it is there. It is there. And by the way, Paul uh, told Titus, when he get into this, in all, it's all verses in chapter 2 of Titus, he said what? He said, uh, when he comes to this section in in giving these instructions to older men and older women and younger women and younger men, he said, speak the things which are fitting to the healthy teaching. Healthy means something alive, uh, something organic. This kind of teaching that Paul gave here, that has to do with an orderly behavior of various uh, kinds of believers in the church, ministers life supply. You know, it depends how you take it. If you take it just as a moral instructions, that's one way. But if you take it as healthy teaching that ministers life and life supply to you, 
It's a different thing. This word will have the power, the operative power, to actually heal diseases, right? Just like the vaccination, some of us older men and women got recently for COVID, right? It 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 ministers uh, a dosage of something that can ward off diseases and germs and and viruses and whatnot. Not only so, it also it also um, by doing that, brings the whole church, a local church, into an orderly and sound and healthy condition. And we need that kind of a condition to express God, to really be the mystery of godliness on the earth today. So um, um, uh, I hope that, uh, sisters, with this uh, maybe too long of a word, um, you would have the proper impression and come to these kind of words um, in a uh, in a uh, in a proper way, <clears throat> and then I tell you, sisters, trust me, you'll be so supplied. Even when it says, "Be temperate," you'll be so supplied. Oh, be temperate! You know what I'm saying? You your whole understanding is different than just um, 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 subscribing to some code of ethics, you know, or, or moral behavior merely. All right, so uh, let's get into this. This today is in, uh, I will read the three verses to you in this first session. Verse 2, exhort older men to be temperate, grave, of a sober mind, healthy in faith, in love, in endurance. This is to older men. But the next verse, older women likewise. That means these qualities that Paul used to describe a proper older man in the church life equally applies to an older woman, an older sister. He says this, older women likewise to be in demeanor as befits those who engage in sacred things. Marvelous utterances. Not slanderers, not enslaved by much wine, teachers of what is good. And then the half of a verse uh, in verse 4, that they may train the younger women. And we'll get into that training in the next session. Those are words for the younger women. But here it talks about the older women should train the younger women. And by the way, this train uh, doesn't mean you take them, put them in a class and give them some kind of a academic training. This train in the Greek word really means to cause, to uh, be of a sober mind, um, a sound mind, and to be restored to one's senses. This is the kind of training, actually, that many young sisters need. Now, uh, okay, I'm going to just use the outline in the next uh, 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 30 minutes, 29 minutes, uh, to go over these wonderful uh, teachings of the Apostle Paul given to Titus. All right. um, uh, These are, uh, by the way, I I told you that there are um, um, excerpts from the life studies in Titus that will be very helpful to us uh, if we have not uh, read it before or we have forgotten about it. In Titus 2, 3 to 4, A, which we just read, Paul speaks concerning older women. Older women, likewise, to be in demeanor. You know, it's outward. It's outward. In demeanor. Um, It has to do with your uh, outward deportment, your outward behavior. Um, as befits those who engage in sacred things, not slanderous nor enslaved by much wine. I read that already, teachers of what is good, that they may train the young women. Well, as the church, uh, the, the recovery matures, as we go on, this year or next year will be the 100th year of the Lord's recovery among us um, uh, uh, since the time it began with Brother Watchman Nee in 1921 and 22. So it has been a long time. So there are older uh, 
saints among us, and they're always the younger saints coming up. So this kind of a teaching is always necessary for us older ones and for those who are younger. I'm just thankful, thankful for this kind of a teaching that is uh, in the word of God. Paul's use of the word likewise, excuse me, indicates that the behavior of the older women should be similar uh, to that of the older men. So if I give a um, fellowship to the brothers, older brothers, I would be saying the same thing. Number one, to be temperate. Um, To be temperate for older uh, sisters uh, learn to be temperate, all right? <clears throat> to be temperate is to have, <clears throat> excuse me, self-control, very important, and to be moderate, To be, and that is simply not to be extreme, <clears throat> to be temperate. Um, this is actually a great virtue, not a small thing. These, uh, these, uh, uh, these virtues, you know, we talk about expressing Christ, you know, we think of something great, something fantastic, something glorious, but it is in the daily life, you know, you know, home life, family life, marriage life, that we exhibit Christ in these little things, self-control, in our words, in our um uh, countenance in our uh, uh, gestures in our behavior and to be moderate to be temperate this means a lot uh, dear sisters <clears throat> it is often easier for an elderly person to be offended or angered than it is for a young person to be bothered in this way brother lee even admitted he said things that didn't bother him when he was young became a nuisance to him when he got old. This is Brother Witness Lee. He found out the, the, the older he got, the more easy he, it, is, it, it was for him to be irritated. And I must say that, I say amen, <laughs> I amen that. <clears throat> uh, there's something about older people, you know, uh, you kind of earn the right to be unhappy or something like that. You know, so um, it's easier for, so when uh, there's the offense, uh, something that causes you to be angry, we're we're, we're human, we are still in the flesh. uh, And so these uh, kind of reactions, these kind of things, when we hear something or when someone does something, these things, these kind of uh, uh, reactions or this kind of emotions, these kind of feelings, are there, bothering, bothering, right? And sometimes there would be some outward outburst or some kind of a outward uh, response. And so here, those who are elderly need uh, uh, Paul's charge to be temperate. Um, uh, dear sisters, uh, I, I, I really, I, I must tell you, I uh, very much appreciate appreciate uh, um, um, these kind of uh, finer points. You know, self-control, by the way, is one of the main fruits of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. You would not think that way. You would think love, joy, peace. Of course, those are first. But very much you have self-control. You know, do all things with moderation. That's not my word, not in Galatians. But these things are what? Are expressions of Christ. These uh, demeanor uh, would uh, befit us who engage ourselves in sacred things. We'll talk about that. Number two, grave or gravity. Now, grave doesn't mean you have a long face, you always look dead serious. No, it is that sense of gravity. And gravity is a qualification of human character, which is worthy of utmost respect. It implies dignity 
and inspires honor and invites it. In fact, you're in the presence of someone who is grave, properly grave, uh, and 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 dignified. Um, it inspires you. It inspires honor, and it invites honor. I think we all know what this means. Um, recently, uh, because of my my FTT class, uh, I have to read again. You know. Uh, from the seer of the divine revelation, Brother Lee's biography of Brother Watchman Nee. And in the first chapter, he talked about how he was edified, how Brother Nee was edified by who? By the sister called him Margaret Elizabeth Barber. And there you will see not only this per- this sister is extremely godly, but even filled with gravity as in older sister to for sure to watchman nee a young man and he would say that when he he would go often to go and visit him you know there are a lot of young people and 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 emmy barber would sister barber would speak strong honest words for their perfecting and after a while they drop off one after another eventually only brother Nee would still go to him to get scolded by her. And he would say this, that when he go to her house, even when she's not yet out from her room, just sitting in, in the living room or something like this, she felt, he felt, excuse me, the Lord's presence there. <clears throat> and, and, uh, and I believe that that presence uh, of the Lord uh, uh, even is uh, is uh, uh, carried or born uh, by uh, the way that sister was not a um, uh, flighty person, not a, uh, a light person, not a loose person, but a properly grave person as an older sister, and that would generate the proper respect. You know, today our young people. You know, what we teach them to do is one thing. How we model ourselves in front of them is more important. Patterns teach more than instructions. And so for old, for us who are the older ones, we need to not be, pre, not pretend, not just put on a performance, but truly as we enjoy the Lord, as we learned Him, we would live out this kind of gravity and this kind of gravity will teach the younger sisters and inspire them also to live likewise. This is right. This is right. Um, Brother Lee in his teaching us, you know, when we learn from him after we came out to serve uh, under his leadership, uh, talk to us about these things as a co-worker. You should behave in a certain way. You should talk in a certain way. You should gesture in a certain way. And I watch him. And he he really pay attention to those little, little things. But in those things, you touch Christ. And you also see something. You are inspired. You are, I am I was so inspired. I was not the only one. But those around it are absolutely inspired by um, the way he um, comported himself. And you, you just inwardly, you just fill with respect for him and, of course, for God. What a testimony. How much we need more sisters like this. See, of a sober mind. This is again and again spoken uh, to the believers of a sober mind. That means the problem today in a lot of things and in the church life is the lack of sobriety, the lack of discretion, the lack of being judicious, the lack of being uh, sensible, sensible. Uh, I Sorry, I have to say uh, it is uh, easy for a sister to become just uh, taken over by their emotions and, and controlled by their kind of feelings 
and losing a proper sense to things, a proper control of their mind, right? Uh, this is very important. <clears throat> um, I'm not saying we become a piece of dead wood and you know we don't laugh, we don't cry, we're spiritual. No, I'm not talking about that. I think you understand. A sober mind is something inward. To be of a sober mind is to be sensible and be also discreet in understanding. Some sisters, they, they just are just silly in their understanding. They're not uh, reasonable in their understanding. They're not logical in their kind of uh, uh, processing things. And, and that, that caused their, their judgments to be faulty. Uh, even in their human life and causing a lot of problems in marriage, in family, with children, with the saints. Uh, this is something. That's why this word train the younger women really means to help the younger women, women to what? Be a sober minded. Uh, <clears throat> If we are uh, to be of a sober mind is to be sensible. Oh, I read that already. And also discreet in understanding. You don't misunderstand. It's some, some sisters, they just, everything, they, they just misunderstand. They just like, 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 like have a propensity to misunderstand rather than understand. And when you misunderstand, you always would cause problems, right? Um, you know, Problems between human beings and in human relationship are often due to misunderstanding, not just in intentions, not sinister motives, and not a, bad, a poor intention, but just misunderstanding, or maybe due to some miscommunication, and and we we don't uh, rectify that, and rather we get into reaction based on those misunderstanding. And then you, you start to break up a relationship. And that's caused a lot of problems in our human life. If we are of a sober mind, we shall avoid the extremes of being too hot or too cold. I like that, right? Brothers would get too cold. Sisters may get too hot or vice versa. That happens. But to be extreme is always unsafe. Dear sisters, avoid extreme, so hot, so cold. Um, no, it is the best to be temperate. Uh, that's why we all love Southern California. It's a temperate climate, not too hot, not too cold. Am I right? Um, so um, don't, 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 uh, don't uh, have a character that is like extreme weather, you know, in the morning, you're 110 degrees in the evening, you are minus 45 degrees. You see, that that is not sober. Three, on the one hand, we need to be burning in spirit, for sure. On the other hand, we need to be of a sober mind. If we would be a proper human being, we need this quality. This brother Lee's words, even just to be properly human. And we are here to be properly human, Jesusly human. We need this quality. Look at the Lord again. Read the Gospels again. How sober-minded the Savior was. He he got mad. He was full of indignation and wrath towards certain ones. He was filled with compassion to the others. Love and care, extreme care. Um, he had He was a man of emotions. But one thing, he was always sober-minded. So, you know, after Paul says, you know, fan into flame the gift of God, that is to stir up your spirit, have a burning spirit to serve the Lord. He would say what? he say, for we are not given a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of what? Of love, of power and love and what? sober mindedness so when you exercise your spirit so much so burning in the spirit that doesn't mean you lose your mind you are still sober-minded what qualities now uh 
uh, then the next point is uh, uh, to be healthy in faith. I better just read through them. It's quite uh, clear. Uh, the word faith in Titus 2, 2 does not refer to the objective faith, to the things that we believe in, but to the things that, uh, uh, but to our, but to our activity of believing. Okay. The act of faith, the act of believing. Faith is a living person infused into us. The more we remain in the organic union with this person, the more healthy we shall be in faith. So you don't, and I don't need to generate faith or just, make up some faith. You you cannot do it anyway, even if you try. The way is to stay in oneness with the Lord. Remain in this union with the Lord. And that's why, sisters, we need to spend time with the Lord in fellowship with him. You know, the, the song we sang. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to, during our daily life, at home, you know, and in the, uh, wherever, whatever we're doing, these practical human things that we would learn to be in the spirit, walking in the spirit. You know, this week, beseeching.org is walking in the spirit to enjoy that uh, law of the spirit of life. When we're in this, I tell you, organic union, faith will be begotten. Faith will be there. You don't need to generate it. Faith will be dispensed into you, right? As Christ, the living one, when we touch him and really enjoy him. In order to be healthy in faith, we need to come to the word and contact the Lord by praying in a living way with our spirit. Of course, another source that would bring, give us faith is the word is the word of God. The more you read the word, the more you fill with faith. <clears throat> so the spirit and the word, right, especially combined when we pray the word to contact the spirit, my, I tell you, we will find ourselves having faith, the ability to believe that otherwise we would not have. So we need to be healthy, healthy in this faith. That means we would have this faith. We would live by this faith as an older uh, sister, older woman. Two, love, healthy in love. If we are healthy in faith, we shall be automatically be healthy in love. Our love for all the saints should be on the same level. To have a different love for different saints is to be unhealthy in love, but to have the same love for all is to be healthy in love. So, yes, we love, but some of us, sometimes we love unhealthily. Unhealthily. And the church is bothered and and gets into problem because of unhealthy love. Love with honey or love with germs in it. The more you love, the more you spread disease in the church. That happens. There's some sisters, they, they just want to love everybody. In, in fact, everyone uh, without a mask, you know what I mean? So the more they love, the more they give people, the people got sick from contacting them. That love is not healthy. We need what? A, uh, a, uh, a um, uh, clean love. We need the pure love. We need uh, um, a love um, that brings health and not sickness uh, to the church life. And one thing is that we need to love people the same. You know, uh, uh, Paul says in Philippians 2.2 2, that we should be having the same love. That means no partiality, that we don't have favorites. We don't love this person more than that person. That happens in the church life too much. You know, it's not easy to love everyone with the same love. Because we all have human preferences. You know, we all have our, 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 our favorites. But there's no room for that. When we do that, I tell you, the church is negatively impacted. Try to love every sister in the same way. In the same way. That's healthy. 
Okay, and don't love with honey love. Uh, that corrupts, but love with Christ love, right? That builds up. Okay, number three, uh, healthy in endurance. Much endurance is needed, of course, in human life, in the church life. If we have adequate endurance, we shall be able to bear the things which bother us and trouble us. You know, you know, forbearance is the top virtue. Because in human relationship, it's always, I step on your toe, you know, you accidentally, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, did something to me, and there, there are just all kinds of things that happen uh, in uh, in in human relationship, and the ability to bear those things and not react and not uh, 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 kind of fight back or or get even, and to bear and forbear. Forbear means not to claim your rights when you have it. You you uh, you you give it up the rights that you actually have. Forbear means long-suffering. You have to suffer long, long time again and again. You know, that sister keeps doing the same thing again and again. You have to suffer that long, you know. Forbears means to really bear someone, you know, carry someone, carry the burden of another one in love. There would be offense, there would be mistreatment, there would be, um, uh, um, uh, you know, things like this that troubles us and bothers us. Hence, we need endurance in relationships. Especially those of us who are elderly, we need endurance. The older we become, the greater is our need of endurance. This is true. This is really true. It's harder for an older person who would think they have earned it. They have earned the right to lash out, to, you know, to say things and to do things and so on. But it's not that easy. <clears throat> um, okay, let's finish it uh, in the next few minutes. Uh, the next uh, Roman numeral, in demeanor, now we really come to the uh, uh, older women. This is addressed to the older women. Uh, the older women should be as befits those engaged in sacred things. I really love this word, this word sacred things. This same word is used in 1 Corinthians. This word sacred things means what? Simply things that has to do with the worship of God. That has to do with the worship of God. It doesn't mean holy things or sanctify things. It means things that are that has to do with our worship of God or has to do with our service to God. In other words, it has to do with our service in the church. So we need a demeanor that will be fit one who is engaged in those services. What a shame that we're serving the Lord, serving the saints in the church life, and yet we don't have a demeanor that accompany that. We don't have a demeanor that that matches that, that even fits that. That means we are bringing reproach to our testimony. That means we don't, so to speak, walk the talk. That means we <clears throat> we're handling these uh, wonderful things of service to the Lord, and yet we don't have a uh, matching demeanor, and so we bring reproach. Right, we uh, open the door for the en- enemy to reproach us. All right, a demeanor means deportment and includes even gest- gesture and habit. My, this speaks to all of us. And I'm sure it speaks to me. Uh, here we're doing all these wonderful things for the Lord in the church life, uh, so sacred, but we need a matching demeanor. Okay, sacred things may be a special term referring to our service in the church. Any service in the church is sacred, and our demeanor should match the sacred service. Demeanor includes everything we are in attitude, appearance, and deportment. All this should be fit that part of the church service in which we participate. 
so we don't stumble the saints. You know, we may have some freedom to do this or that, but we need to uh, deport ourselves so that we don't affect and even uh, mistakenly, uh, unintentionally uh, bother or stumble the saints that we're serving. The next uh, Roman numeral, Paul also says that older women should not be slanderers. The devil is a slanderer. The slander is to practice the nature of the evil slanderer. And elderly sisters should flee slander, the evil act of the devil. Slander is to say bad things, uh, demeaning things, uh, 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 reviling words and, 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 and such. Uh, slander mostly is a matter of the tongue, of the mouth. This is a huge one. Yeah, we should all read um, uh, the uh, the lesson on speech in the uh, new lessons for the new believers by Watchman Nee. Extremely, extremely helpful. He listed out like six to eight kinds of evil speech. You know, idle words and words of jest and and uh, lies and and slandering. We should flee any kind of evil speaking of the saints, we must control our tongue. Okay, lastly, Paul also says that the aged women should be teachers of what is good. Whatever is good, teach them and train the young women to be teachers of what is good. Um, this is to give a good, uh, uh, give them the good uh, uh, instruction. Of course, it covers things not enslaved by much wine, any kind of addiction uh, as well. Uh, so uh, uh, here you uh, here you have it, right? Um, let me see here. Do I? Uh, okay, I think I've covered everything. Um, what is good here means simply uh, good instructions proper teaching, good instructions to help, uh, especially the younger women. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul actually said something uh, more specific concerning the older and younger females in the church. There he was especially talking about the widows, the older widows and the young widows. Now, I know I'm not here talking to widows, but... There were widows, and today among us there are widows. And so um, Paul was um, um, almost, in, in my feeling, giving them some actually generic instruction that not only widows uh, can benefit from, but even all sisters can benefit from. Now, in chapter 5 of, this is First Timothy, First Timothy, um, he first talked about told Timothy, instruct Timothy how he should uh, um, 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 interact with an older man, you know, an older brother, and also younger men, uh, older men uh, as a father, and uh, deal with the younger men as brothers in verse 1. Then he said in verse 2, elderly women as mothers and younger women as sisters in all purity. I like this. And now this is not talking now even instructions to the sisters. These are actually instructions to a co-worker, a young young co-worker at that in the church. And by extension, this should be an instruction to the other brothers as well, serving brothers as well. I certainly take it this way, that we should treat the elderly sisters as our mothers. Even Paul said he had a mother, didn't he? Rufus's mother in Romans 16 became Paul's mother. He, he, he practiced what he preached in his uh, respect and his honor of these older sisters in the church, and younger women as sisters. Treat them as sisters in all purity, and all with a kind of a sense of a family, right? Because the church is the household of God, and we're all part of God's family. So fathers, mothers, um, uh, 
brothers and sisters. Then he spent quite a bit on widows. Apparently in those days, uh, there are a lot of widows. Uh, men die young, whether it's uh, because of war, because of this or that. Uh, and there were widows. Uh, uh, so Paul gave uh, quite explicit instructions. And uh, there uh, in verse 4, if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show respect towards their own household and to render a return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. So here um, you see how Paul pay attention so finely, so in detail about human ethical relationships in the context of the church. Don't don't brush it aside and say, you know, we just need the spirit. We don't need this kind of stuff. Well, if that's the case, why would Paul devote so much, so many pages and so many uh, 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 ink on paper to these things, right? Brother, uh, I mean, sisters, we are here to live Christ. We're here to be the expression and enlargement and duplication of Christ. What that means is that our church life should what? Should have an expression of the highest order and as expression that is the expression of the Son of God. But he is not the son, only the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. So that expression is not just divine. That expression must be extremely human. In fact, it should be divinely human and humanly divine. In other words, it's mysterious. It's mystical, yet it is practical and real. It's even sensible, visible, should be, to people in our community and in our society. So... um This is the mystery of godliness or God-likeness. This is the expression of the church. So these human things became very, very important. So here he's uh, talking about these children. You know, now he's talking about children, even grandchildren. How about that? We, We have a lot of grandchildren in the church life. They should learn to show respect. Um, um, you know, um, and uh, towards their own own uh, uh, household, um, and to render return to their uh, parents. Uh, that means a kind of a gratitude, a kind of a I wouldn't say payback, but but brotherly used the word recompense uh, to their parents uh, for being their parents. Uh, this is acceptable in the sight of God. Look. How much, how much did Paul uh, uh, spend, you know, in in these ways of words of instruction to these matters? Um, I, I think we should read them. I think we should reflect on them. I think we should care for them. I would even say I think we should treasure them. Today, a lot of the problems in the church family problems, marital problems, all kinds of problems. In part, not entirely, in part is due to, I feel, the lack of receiving such proper godly instructions. These kind of instructions are more prevalent in the among many godly people in the last centuries. You have to go and read their stories, read the kind the way they live, and this is not about going back to the Victorian era, going back to the old days, going back to uh, the days when etiquette is everything and propriety, you know, social standing. And No, no, sisters, I said already, we're not in that realm. But the fact of the matter is today I find in the church life, generally speaking, this kind of instruction is in want, in want, but not just, again, um, to, to give a, um, uh, as just mere uh, moral uh, instructions, but 
godly, I would say godly instructions that touches morality, that touches ethics of the highest order. In other words, the way that God wants men to be, that men failed to be, that Christ became, and today that Christ should, can live out, can be again in us, the church. That is the church. All right. Then he talked about uh, 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 she who is really a widow and is left alone has set her hope on God and continues in petitions and prayers night and day. So this is a word to the widows um, that uh, who did not get remarried. And they, they are told by Paul to set their hope on God. I think this is a good word for older sisters and for older brothers for that matter, that we would set our hope on God, to live a life of hoping in God. You know, not hoping, oh, okay, when I'm going to die, when I'm going to age and get sick and, and what, what, what. But set our hope on God and continues in petitions and prayers night and day. Like Anna, the prophetess in Luke, uh, whose prayer uh, in part brought about the coming of the Savior, the Lord, the first time to the earth. She prayed day and night. Um, just uh, uh, um, that was her her function. So how much we need the petitions and prayers of older sisters. Uh, soon after Brother Lee died, do you all remember, some of you remember, we had one of our earlier uh, semi-annual in Bren Center at UCI. Remember Bren Center, that, that big, big arena? We did that once. And... Uh, I still remember in some of those co-workers meeting, uh, this is a couple of years after Brother Lee passed away, uh, we were talking about so and such and such sister died in this church, such and such sister died in that church, in older sisters, obviously. And there's a general uh, kind of bemoaning that in the recovery, we are losing these prayer warriors, these older sisters who really devoted their lives uh, to petition and prayers on behalf of the church. We were bemoaning that, the co-workers. And now today we have even less. I'm talking about older sisters of a certain era, right? These are, these are the, you know, ones, many of whom have passed on now, you know. I'm not even talking about people my age. I'm talking about people, the generation, half or more, or actually a full generation uh, above us. Um, Many sisters, and I've seen with my own eyes, how many of these sisters really devote themselves to prayer. And not all are widows, but they live, uh, they are mature, they're experienced. Uh, they, They could not do that much. Their function is not in front of the public, but more of a hidden kind. And I will tell you the hidden service one day before the judgment seat of Christ may excel over those that is the public kind before man. I think that may happen one day. So the hidden service is one of prayer and intercession. Um, We need that today. We really need that today. Um, there's a there's a uh, dearth of this. There's a need for this continually in the church as we go on. A generation after another generation of uh, intercessors, sisters. And uh, she who gives herself to pleasure is dead while living. These things also charge that they may be without reproach. Um, uh, anyone who does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, okay. Uh, nine, let a widow be enrolled, not under 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, etc., etc. Um, well attested for good works if she has brought up children. These are good instructions for sisters, not, not just old, but young. Um, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, 
if she has washed the saint's feet, if she has assisted the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. Of course, up to this point, mainly his word is concerning the older widows. And of course, all this should remind us of Phoebe in Romans 16, that deaconess that Paul greeted first before any other saint in Rome uh, from Sancria. Uh, such was this sister, a true deaconess and a patron, patroness of the believers um, and a uh, carer of the saints, uh, not only in one church, but in the churches. These qualities about um, raising children, being hospitable, uh, washing the saints' feet, you know, ten- tending caring for the saints, um, uh, assisting the afflicted, and uh, diligently follow every good work. Um, uh, Sisters, I say again, uh, uh, we're not trying to hear, you know, building up some kind of uh, very, very uh, uh, good society, you know, what I mean, with good people and doing humanitarian things and good works. Uh, uh, No, not in that way. We're talking about the church expressing Christ, but Christ is indeed expressed in these things, you know, especially to uh, people outside. They don't know Christ. They don't know all these deep truths, but they can see and they can feel and they can experience that Christ that we live out in the most human of terms. This is, the the church is not angelic, sisters. The church is not angelic. Angels have no place in the church. The church is human, full of human beings, and it exists in human community. And it testifies to man. And so, uh, this is about our testimony in the end, the testimony of Jesus. I hope we would all have this kind of a view, right? Not just have good families, good marriage, good children, good um, parents, not, not just that. But really for that, uh, for God's testimony. 